Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Suture podcast. I'm Joe Simic, and today we're talking about the song you just heard. And the song I've been using as bumper music for this podcast is called The Witness. And the subtitle is Purusha slash Prakriti. Purusha Prakriti. It's the third track on Sutra, an album I released recently under the moniker Destroy It Up. And today I'm continuing to break down the album, talking about the inspiration for the lyrics, which comes from the Yoga Sutra, which is a Sanskrit text written a couple thousand years ago. When I went back to listen to my demos of The Witness, I expected my first demo to be of the piano you hear at the beginning of the song. And I was actually surprised to find that I wrote a melody without a guitar or a piano part first. And it's super rough. I mean, I recorded, this is like a thought that I just recorded into my iPhone. And it's not exactly where the song ended up, but uh, let's take a listen to it. I am a wave that forgot the sea I forgot the forest, I am the tree I am a grain that forgot the sand All of the world in the palm of my hand I rarely do that. Usually I find some kind of piano or guitar part and then I write a melody on top of that. Um, from the dates of my demo files, uh, the piano part followed pretty closely behind that melody. That piano part and melody became the foundation for the song. However, you can hear that I did have some lyric ideas brewing early as well, and uh, we will definitely get into that in a moment. Once the piano and the melody were fleshed out, I knew that this song was probably going to be a rocker, um, at least a rocker by Destroy It Up standards. There's definitely a cold play circa rush of blood to the head thing going on here. And yes, that's right. I said cold play. I am an unapologetic fan of early cold play. Actually, my first published music review um, back when I was trying to be a music critic back in college was of Parachutes, Coldplay's first uh, full-length album. Uh, and I think I was about 22, maybe 23, when Rush of Blood came out. Um, and it was a formative time in my life. I can remember listening to Rush of Blood to the head every morning on a CTA bus on my way to intern southern records when i lived in chicago uh, southern was an indie label um with a band on it called karate for those of you indie rockers out there from the 90s um and southern also distributed saddle creek at the time i think um so that was two reasons i found myself there um it was for a very short time but uh long enough to work on Karate Some Boots record. Um, but I'm sure I never mentioned Coldplay to the Southern staff because I would have lost my indie cred pretty quickly. Um, but I still, anyway, like those first two Coldplay records a, a lot. Anyway, so the piano part became the focus of The Witness. 
And then I wrote a chorus that sort of slowed down the melody. Uh, check out this early demo of that, and you'll see that the chorus was really just a fragment of thought. So the song starts to come together, but it wasn't really complete until my longtime friend and destroyed up guitar player Kurt Johnson wrote what I think is the best guitar part on the album. I absolutely love the picking parts and the verses and that distorted single note thing that he does in the bridge. That's a early demo of us playing the song together. And I have to say, I love having Kurt work on these songs, as I don't really have to direct him at all. Uh, we grew up in bands together. We met in middle school, um, and we were in bands together in high school and college. And we have that uncanny bond that I think musicians form where you know where the other wants to take a song. Uh, Kurt reminds me of John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, neither, I think Kurt would, wouldn't mind me saying this, but neither of them are sort of technically amazing, but both play just the right thing, always tasteful. And Kurt has really been an integral part of my songwriting process for Destroy It Up. He's definitely my first editor on everything. I'm always sending him demos for feedback. If you want to hear some of the punk rock we used to play uh, back in college, I posted a video of our old band. We were called The Dying Time on Destroyed Up's YouTube page a few weeks ago. Uh, you can hear me scream in my Rage Against the Machine t-shirt. It's very yogic of me. Uh, anyway, check that out. I guess that's my segue into the lyrics and the yoga in this song. But before I do that, I want to take a moment to talk a little bit about the process of explaining uh, the lyrics in these songs. I am fully aware that the explanations might ruin the song for the listener. Uh, I guess the great example of that in popular music is uh, Jeremy by Pearl Jam. I mean, did anyone really hear that song the same way after seeing the video? Pearl Jam took, I think, years off from making videos because of that complaint from so many people that the video ruined the meaning of the song for them. But I personally often really dig songs that leave little to interpret. I mean, not every song needs to be that way, but take Masters of War by Bob Dylan. We know exactly what that song is about, and it isn't any less powerful because of it. But I don't know, you may want to go listen to the witness in its entirety and get that first impression of the song before you hear my explanation. Um, maybe do that with the entire album and then come back and listen to these podcasts. You can check out the full album at destroyitup.com. You know, or don't. <laughs> it's your call. Either way, uh, this song, The Witness, is a little tricky to explain. Um, it involves concepts that are at the heart of Patanjali's. Patanjali is the author of the Yoga Sutra. They're at the heart of Patanjali's view of yoga. And uh, it also involves concepts that stand in direct contrast to that viewpoint. 
So if you spend any time studying the Yoga Sutra in depth, you're going to come to the concept of dualism. Uh, that's one of the keys to understanding how Patanjali lays out the path to enlightenment. Uh, and I'm sure there's other terms that probably are better suited for the word enlightenment, like samadhi or awakening, but uh, we'll use enlightenment here. And it's probably best to start by defining the terms in the subtitle of the song. The thing I said earlier in the podcast, you're probably like, what is he talking about? That's Purusha and Prakriti. So Prakriti is most likely the easier of the two to define. We think about it as basically everything in nature. So not just people and trees and things like that in our environment, but also consciousness itself. And Purusha, on the other hand, uh, we can define as pure awareness. Essentially, what Patanjali is saying is that enlightenment is the process of the yogi moving into pure awareness, or Purusha, and realizing that this pure awareness is actually separate, or can be separate from nature, or Prakriti. So in the most basic terms... Um, you know, the calming of the mind that I talked about in the first few episodes. Well, Patanjali is suggesting that stopping the fluctuations of the mind, the chitta vritti so much, stopping consciousness, basically, that we move outside of nature. Now, if that seems impossible for you to either A, wrap your head around, or B, ever achieve without maybe living on a mountaintop somewhere, know that you are definitely not alone. So for householders, people who are not renunciates living on mountaintops, it may seem impossible. And that's probably why entire yoga lineages that followed Patanjali see things much differently. The tantric tradition, for example, sees enlightenment in terms of non-dualism, right? That pure awareness and nature are completely one, and the process of enlightenment is realizing the two are connected. In Tantra, it's not even so much that you're moving towards enlightenment. It's that you can be there right this moment. Now, again, in the simplest of terms, you might think of Patanjali's dualism similar to the kind of Judeo-Christian view of God, right? God stands outside of everything else. Uh, tantric non-dualism is probably closer to what your hippie yoga teacher with the man bun is preaching about the existence of the universe. And I rock a man bun on occasion, so I can make fun of man buns. Thank you very much. But anyway, that brings us to one of the more interesting things about modern yoga. So much of what is taught in yoga studios throughout the country comes from Patanjali. But those who teach it often have a much different personal view of the universe or of the process of enlightenment from what they are actually teaching. But really, I think both of these concepts, both of these traditions are needed. In today's very overstimulated society, I think we can all use much less chitta vritti. But as a culture, right, asking for renunciation, that feels almost impossible, right? And I think that this song, at its core, is me just wrestling personally with this topic 
kind of what it means for me, where I'm at with it. The first lyrics come from a line attributed to a teacher by the name of Eric Schiffman. And I believe his line is, we are the waves that forget the ocean. So I modified it a little. I said, I am the wave that forgets the sea. And that's basically so I could rhyme it with a very similar line. I am the forest for the trees. And then after that, I am the grain that forgets the sand. I think what Schiffman is saying with that line is that our egos forget that we are part of this larger whole, which falls very much in line with the tantric tradition. The second verse probably owes more to non-dualism too. Uh, I wrote the line about the cop uh, when there were a lot of debates raging over police shootings. And there's a part of me, I think, that wrestles with trying to see even negative things as part of the, the whole, right? And I think sometimes it seems much easier to move out of consciousness, especially one that includes violence. Um, the concept, uh, I am the blind man who stands on his feet, carrying the lame man who can see, that's the line in the third verse. I think I first heard that from Leslie Kamenoff. It's a fairly popular yoga teacher. Um, and that's definitely a non-dualistic line. Um, but I tried to give Patanjali some love here too, especially at the end of the third verse. Step outside the matrix, look behind the screen. All of the world sits outside of me. Purusha sometimes gets translated to witness. Uh, the chorus of the song is both sides of the argument, basically, right? Bear witness to it all non-dualism, bear witness to nothing at all, dualism. Whatever side of the dualism, non-dualism argument that you happen to land on, you could argue that it doesn't matter. Uh, as my teacher says, the destination is basically the same. So contemplate that, my friends, as we listen to The Witness, Arusha Prakriti, from Destroyed Up Sutra in its entirety on the Rock and Roll Sutra podcast.
So I want to take a moment and mention the video that Kurt and I made for The Witness. It's up right now on Destroyed Up's YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and search for Destroyed Up, The Witness. Uh, that video was super fun to shoot, and we did it on a very warm October day at the Jersey Shore. You can view that video as a simple love affair between a man and a keyboard he happens to find on the beach. Or maybe you can think of that keyboard as Prakriti and me as Purusha. Either way, definitely check that out and enjoy. And also, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Or follow the podcast and leave a comment on SoundCloud. And tell your friends. I'm sure you have a friend out there who listens to music or one who does yoga. Or if you have a friend that does yoga and listens to music, well, please, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Send them this podcast. So until next time, my friends, Jai Rock, Jai Roll.